Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex. Access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I'm your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content. So if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is L and L is for libido. In this case, particularly loss of libido in women. Libido in this context refers to someone's sex drive. That is their desire to have sexual encounters solo or with others. When midlife mayhem descends, it's not uncommon to wake up in the morning feeling like you've been possessed by an alien. Life as you knew it may seem to be a dim and distant memory. Your hormones are in the driving seat and you are left clinging on by your fingernails. Gone are the days when you roll over in the mornings hoping your partner's in the mood for some fun. Instead of snuggling up for comfort and love, you're only too pleased to be in your own space, busy throwing off the covers as the heat overtakes you. When you cool down, hoping you will stay cool enough Long enough to engage in passion, you may be fearful that intercourse will be a nightmare, leaving you feeling sore instead of satisfied. If this sounds familiar, then you'll be pleased to hear from Marion Stewart, as she's been helping women to rekindle their libido naturally for over 25 years. Marion Stewart is well known in both the UK and Australia as a pioneer in the field of non-drug medicine. In 1984, she set up the Women's Nutritional Advisory Service, which has helped tens of thousands of women all around the world to improve their health and well-being. In 2010, following the death of her 21-year-old daughter, Hester, Marion founded the Angelus Foundation, the only charity currently dedicated to raising awareness about the the dangers of legal highs and club drugs. She's written 26 popular self-help books, co-authored a series of medical papers, written regular columns for numerous daily newspapers and magazines, had her own radio show, written scripts for and produced many films, as well as contributed to a variety of TV series, including being the nutritionist for Channel 4's Model Behavior. And now she presents The Really Useful Health Show. Welcome to the show, Marion. Hello. I'm really pleased to be here. I'm so glad you're here. So can we start out with um, a bit about what you think goes on in terms of libido at the time of perimenopause and menopause? Yeah, I think the biggest problem is that no one tells us that things are going to change. We all hear the M word when we're younger and uh, some of us shudder and it's some of it just goes right over our heads because you don't really ever think that we're going to be that old and it's ever going to happen to us. But actually, we weren't really living much past 50, 100 years or so ago. And so it wasn't a real issue. Whereas now, 50 is really midlife, and lots of us are living so much longer. And so it is a real 
problem, especially if you are one of the probably 75% of people tend to lose their libido around the time of the perimenopause and the menopause. And it could be, it's a, it could be really a very isolating thing and a very scary thing because even though most of us have good friends, we don't really talk about our libido. Mm. And you, libido is a funny thing, isn't it? Because you know what yours is and you know what your partner's is, but you don't really talk about other people to compare. And so when we're talking about low libido, we're not talking about, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, it's a six or a two. We're talking about how it is for you, how it was for you, and how it is for you now, and how it's affecting your ability to have the kind of relationship that you want to have with your partner. And I think that's the difficulty. And so from my perspective, because we've been treating women really successfully to get their libido back again for so many years, but that's a kind of well-kept secret. Mm -hmm. And most people go down this road, they not only lose their libido, but about three quarters of the women who lose their libido get terribly dry vagina to the point where sometimes their tissues actually bleed and they're so, so sore that they can't face having intercourse. So it becomes, it, it becomes difficult because then they are afraid that their partner may want to find somebody else. They feel that this is the beginning of the end and they have no clue that it's a, a problem that has an underlying cause that can be addressed and uh, that they can get back to having good quality tissues again so they can have lubrication and nice elasticity going on in the vagina um, and that they can have comfortable loving sex as you said it can be a better better time of your mm -hmm. life sex because you haven't got young kids around anymore maybe you've got a bit more leisure time you're a bit more experienced there's just so many things going for you if you're in good physical shape but if you've got and I have patients who come in and say they'd rather not ever be touched again or they prefer to have chocolate than sex I mean they, they really really don't want any more sex because it's too uncomfortable or they have no desire it's I find this topic really pertinent um, because of the number of conversations I've ended up having with people in the last month around the things we don't tell women about the menopause. So yes. I learned something I didn't know the other day, which is that um, along with losing the elasticity of the internal tissues, um, your muscles loosen. And so when you're, um, um, I, I can never pronounce them right, but the, the ones that you do the, the pelvic floor exercise with, when your pelvic floor muscles loosen, your bladder can drop a bit, which can make sex incredibly uncomfortable and increase bladder infections and, and all sorts of problems. And well, one, if you tighten that, if you're able to tighten that up, it goes back to where it was before. Yes. It's not just a question of that though. What happens is as the tissues thin, you've got two different main things going on, but as the tissues thin, then it's not just the vaginal tissues that are thin, it's also the, the lining of the bladder. Right. And so the bladder gets weaker. And yes, you can do pelvic floor exercises, and yes, you should be doing those every day, um, along with a whole host of other things. But the, but the key is you've got to be able to help yourself 
to keep things in order by learning to meet your needs at this particularly important life stage. So, you know, bearing in mind, we've gone straight into talking about vaginal dryness, but actually, before we even get to that, we need to talk about the hot flushes and the night sweats. Of course. If you're, and also how you deal with all that, because if you are in such a state that you're waking up every hour in the night in a puddle, you're feeling smelly and you're not feeling sexy anyway. And also when your partner touches you, you're likely to have a flush. So that's the last thing on your mind, which is why you're curled up in a ball on the side of the bed, hoping that the partner isn't going to want to engage. And that's not a really good place to be. So I think that for, for everyone who's going through the perimenopause or menopause has to understand that there are two main things going on. So the first thing is that we very often have low levels of important nutrients. And those levels of nutrients get low when we are younger. So when we're having our kids and when we're breastfeeding, Mother Nature makes sure the baby gets the best of the nutrients. When you're pregnant, the nutrients go out across the placenta. And when you're feeding, they go out through the breast milk. And it's very often the mum who gets left high and dry at the end of the day. And with multiple pregnancies, you're going to be in pretty low state, nutritionally speaking, by the time you get to your late 30s. Um, And then you bump into perimenopause in your 40s. And as time goes on, your nutrient levels get into a lower state. And we at the Women's Nutritional Advisory Service, we did five separate studies. So we did studies not just on our own patients, but the local family planning clinic, the local hospital, psychiatric daycare center. And we did one in the workplace at Kimberly Clark. And we found all the studies, the women had low levels of um, nutrients. So, for example, 50 to 80 percent of the women had low magnesium stores, mm-hmm. and B vitamin, zinc, iron, essential fatty acids, and calcium were also often in short supply. So, those nutrients are necessary for normal brain chemistry and therefore normal hormone function. So, if you've got low levels of nutrients, it's a bit like um, a conductor in an orchestra trying to direct the orchestra with one arm. Mm-hmm. So you just don't get the right messages going out at the right time of your cycle when you're in your menstruating years and all sorts of things go sideways. And that's why women get a lot of PMS. So as you then get into the perimenopause, the PMS seems to be lasting for longer. And then it turns into the hot flushes and the night sweats as well as the I could kill someone, you know, I'm so moody. Uh, why are you looking at me like that? And just feeling desperately tired and really like a shadow of your former self. So that's just to do with the nutrient levels. And then you've got the added thing as you go into perimenopause of low levels of estrogen. Mm-hmm. So in each cell, if you imagine you've got what's called an estrogen receptor site, and that is like a little space in a ball, like a ping pong ball for a key in a lock. And as estrogen goes past those little receptor sites, when you've got circulating estrogen, it pops in and you can, um, it just tops up naturally and everything stays on an even keel if you're in good nutritional shape. And that keeps your hormones in balance. But when you go into the perimenopause and then into the menopause, your estrogen levels fall and your ovaries stop producing estrogen. Now, if you are only living to 50, as we were before, it didn't really matter. No problem. But now, because that's only halfway house for many people, it really matters because 
having estrogen in those little estrogen receptor sites means that you're going to produce as many cells as you were producing before to protect you against heart disease, bone loss, dementia, and the same little factory makes cells that line the vagina and keep it nice and moist. So you get the elasticity and the moisture in the vagina. When you are when you've got empty estrogen receptor sites, that doesn't happen. And that's why everything starts to dry out. So what we do with our program is we teach women how to meet their nutritional needs, how to detect nutritional deficiencies, how to fix that. So they get their brain chemistry working normally and they stand the best possible chance of being healthy, not just at midlife, at any time mm -hmm. of the life, at any life stage. And then we also teach them how to include naturally occurring estrogen in the form of food and also supplements and to do various other lifestyle activities that turn off the flushes and help them to reclaim their well-being. And it takes probably about five months to get someone from feeling terrible to better. Um, it can be quicker than that. I can think of um, one patient I had who did have a, a bleeding vagina and couldn't even go near her husband and thought she was going to get divorced and felt suicidal. Um, she got better within, I think she said it was three months, she was back to having normal sexual relationship. And she went on and trained to become a healer. So she got oh, back everything, you know, her self-esteem, her relationship, she wasn't depressed anymore. And she just, I mean, that was more than 10 years ago. And she's gone on to have an amazing life a very fulfilling life and not just with her partner but in her own right as a, as a healer so lovely stories of what's possible but the most frustrating thing is that people don't really know it is possible and therefore they go into this broad agreement thinking that it's the beginning of the end of life as they knew it so for me to be able to communicate to women by interviews like this is wonderful because it just means there'll be more people that know there's a big light at the end of the tunnel and that they can really get back. It's almost like turning, when you learn how to meet your needs at this life stage, it's almost like turning back your biological clock. It's it's really amazing. And it's something that you know, anybody can do with a little extra knowledge. I, I mean, I, I find it amazing that there's so little available out there if you don't know where to look. And that this isn't something, you know, if I go into the GP or when I did go into the GP, when this whole process started for me and said, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky compared to a lot of women that I've spoken with and that I've, I've treated over the years who have come in with depression around um, menopause, but also come in with uncontrollable anger as being a huge issue around menopause. And um, I'm lucky in that my hot flashes don't appear to be the same frequency that other women have reported to me. But I, I, it was still bad enough that I was, I think, to the GP. I lasted three weeks and went in and said, I'm not ready for this and I can't survive with this. This is insane. I was in a meeting and I soaked through all of my clothing. Um, and I just said, you know what? Give me something. And didn't even really think that there would be an alternative. It was just, please do something about this now. And the GP didn't say, well, there are, you know, a variety of things that we can do, including non-drug alternatives. 
Well, they're not educated. That's the problem. Mm. And they and when we first started treating women going through menopause, well, years ago when when we were doing the research, that HRT hormone replacement therapy was promoted like it was a treatment for life. Mm. And then ten or so years ago, there was a big shock that it isn't a great idea to take it in the long term, or even if you can avoid it, to take it at all, but certainly not to take it for more than five years because it can cause all sorts of other health problems. So, and coming off HRT is not a party either because if you just come off it suddenly, you can get awful withdrawal symptoms. So there's just so many things that we're not told about. And it does, some people, it doesn't even suit them. So for, from our research, for example, Apart from the fact that it can make migraines headaches worse, it also our research shows that it the we did a study on a thousand women I think it was and or two studies on five hundred women in each I forget but we found that they actually really just they just lost it it, it, it it's incredible how much of a difference it can it can make. Which I think is, is, is information that really needs to be available. Um, and I mean, I know I, you've, you've written so much. So your books are out there and really available and your website's really accessible. But with, oh, with the, first, the first port of call is usually the doctor. The doctor is the first. But, and also the Internet is probably the first port of call because mm. most people go online. And the, and the thing is they go online and they look. Maybe they haven't had much sleep, you know, so they're tired anyway and feeling confused, which is one of the biggest symptoms of menopause. And what do they find? They find thousands and thousands of things to trawl through. And some of them are conflicting. And how on earth are they supposed to know what is true and what isn't true? And which is up there because someone's about to make some money out of it? And, you know, which is factual and based on science. It's impossible. I mean, it's hard enough for a health expert to be able to interpret that without a lay person. So going back to what you were saying about the doctor is, you, you know, it shouldn't be that way. Mm. It may, it's like the difference between night and day if you find the way at menopause. But if you get stuck on HRT, hormone replacement therapy, and it doesn't suit you, not only can you get migraines, I think the women gained about 18 pounds in the first year of being on it. I mean, that when your self-esteem is in the bin anyway, an extra 18 pounds around your middle and on your hips is not where you, what you want. No. It's going to make you feel even less sexy. It's just a really tricky thing. So from my perspective, having the knowledge, it's not that complicated. And once you've got the knowledge, you're armed with it for your life. But finding out how to learn to meet, how to meet your needs at this particular life stage is just so, so important. It's, it's just, it makes the world of difference to everything, to, to you, to your family life, your work life. And it makes life seem like it's worth living again, as opposed to, I mean, I, I started a group three weeks ago called uh, Midlife Switch on Facebook. Mm. And women have been writing in, and one of them wrote in, and I mean, I should know this from all the years of dealing with women, but just, just to see so many people writing in and agreeing with each other, one woman wrote in and said that she's in her 40s, she's having such a terrible time, 
that she's lost every reason to live except she's got two daughters and she wants to see them married and then after that she doesn't think there's any point in living anymore you know and that's just so sad to think that people would even go there in their minds and not know that there are lots of things that they can do for themselves not only can they get their libido back but they'll get their well-being back they'll get their zest for life back their energy they can be symptom free and they can feel better than they can remember but it's just knowing where to start and how to meet your needs yeah. and i think it, it's it's almost actually criminal that women can't get what they need from their gp surgery it's awful that the doctors aren't educated nobody else in the practices either and I, I mean, my experience is, is that, you know, at, I think that there's a lot of variability in surgeries, but in talking with people, I think only one person that I saw had actually been offered the possibility of non-medical alternatives. Um, a number of people had been dissuaded. They'd been told that they, they didn't think HRT was for them. Um, and, and they were left to think that there was nothing that they could do. And there was, there was nothing out there. They were just stuck with where they were. The other thing is, is that that isn't explained is that this is progressive. Just because you're on HRT doesn't mean you don't go through menopause. Women seem to think that like if they're taking HRT, they will have no symptoms until they stop taking HRT. They don't realize that and they don't expect that menopause still progresses while you're taking HRT. So the amount you're taking in the beginning won't take care of the symptoms six months from now, a year from now. And you and can't also, increase it. No, and it doesn't protect you against heart disease, bone loss, dementia. And, you know, there are some studies that show that it can make some of those things worse. Um, so it's really not, it's not advisable to take HRT and to look at it as a long-term treatment. If you need it as a kind of band-aid because you're crawling up the wall, as you clearly were, then fair enough. But I think to find a long-term solution that's going to help you stay in the driving seat and keep you well through the menopause and beyond is so much more preferable. Most definitely. What do you think of the localized methods of HRT? So now they've got um, vaginal they're pills that stick to the vaginal wall and dissolve. And so it's, it's completely localized. And, and of course, women are still being encouraged to keep Mirena coils uh, a little bit longer. So they're getting progesterone that way. And all of that is localized. So you can be on HRT without ever having anything systemic. Yes. Um, but there are, I've just finished doing a new chapter on HRT for my new book, which is like a world review. And I've done it in conjunction with two very respected medics. And the jury's still out. I mean, you can use localized. And again, short-term Band-Aid, that's fine. Um, I don't really recommend people have progesterone coils because I've seen so many people have side effects to that and it can make PMS worse. Um, but there are things that you can do naturally to reline the vagina uh, with um, improving your nutrient levels, taking naturally occurring estrogen. There's a um, particular supplement that's been through trials that helps with dry vagina, helps to increase the number of cells you produce. And interestingly, the same product helps with um, dry eyes and dry mouth as well. So, um, it, you know, there are things you can do. And then I was in America um, watching TV and 
on came an advert, as they advertise in America, about vaginal dryness. I mean, imagine that in England. It and, never happened. Uh, never happened. Not here. And talking about a system of laser treatment for the vagina, which I'm about to investigate, but it's quite um, established in America. And that there are some treatments that are scientifically based, based which can help a bit like plumping up your skin can help with the vaginal tissues. So I think for the longer term, I mean, obviously this is quite new. I think for the longer term, there's lots of hope. But in the shorter term, there's definitely hope because our program has been helping people since the early 1990s for menopause. And our success rate is symptom free within, I think it's 91% of the women were completely symptom free within five months. So it's a really big percentage. And um, we wean people off HRT gradually if they're taking it so that they don't get the awful symptoms that you get if you come off suddenly. Um, and we teach them about, so for example, there are supplements that help to increase libido and there are foods that would too. But the last thing on our minds is helping someone to increase their libido when they've got dry vagina and very, you know, it's too sore to have a relationship. So the first thing we have to do is get the tissues fixed. And then if the libido is still low, very often libido comes back by itself um, through the program. But otherwise, there are other tools that we have in our tool bag to help to boost libido. And once the tissues are fixed, then, that, then we kind of put that into place. So it's a, it's, um, it's a progressive thing, depending on how each individual person reacts as they go through, because obviously... We are all different. You don't have a crystal ball. We've all had different experiences in our lives. And um, it's learning to meet your needs. It's not really comparing to anybody else. But the nice thing about the community, going back to what we were saying earlier mm. on, is that a lot of the women are saying that they feel isolated and that they felt that they were alone and it was only happening to them. And the nice thing about this community, and I sort of knew that because I made a film years ago called Get Fit for Midlife which then um, became part of my TV series, the Really Useful Health Show. But I got together for a weekend the six patients that appeared in the film, and we got Diana Moran along, who, who did the exercise, and my sister, uh, Sue Fisher, who did the guided meditation. And we were all together for two or three days, and the six patients actually were that it was like a bonding experience for them because they all thought they were on their own. And it's the first time they'd ever come together with other women who were mm -hmm. suffering it, had been suffering, you know, had similar experiences. Because I only, until then, I'd probably only ever seen people individually in my clinics. Since then, I've done other things like webinars and, you know, had lots of people on the phone at the same time. But it's not quite the same as having a community where they can support each other. And so I, I really am excited about that going forward because as well as the aim is to get other experts to come and give talks and answer people's questions so that we can have the benefit of lots and lots of different kinds of wisdom, but also for the women themselves to just know they're not alone and um, become sisters, if you like, at this particular stage in your life so that they can all um, share experiences, which I think is, is really important. I, I mean, I think you're right. I think that um, that the importance of community can't be um, um, ignored. Uh, that social support in all research studies dealing with health outcomes, social support 
always has a big impact on positive outcomes. If you've got a community that you can relate to, if you don't feel isolated, if you don't feel odd, you don't feel like you, like you don't fit that outcomes are always better. So I have no doubt that a community like this is definitely something that would benefit all of the members joining. And, and certainly there's a huge amount of isolation. There's a big stigma in talking about, oh, and by the way, I can't have sex anymore because my vagina is, is hurting or painful or dry. Or I mean, women don't usually just come out and tell other women that. There's a lot of shame associated with being unable to perform. That's our unable to perform on cue as opposed to men with, with erectile dysfunction. So, yeah, I mean, I think finding out that there's loads of other women out there who are actually experiencing the same thing and that people can get better has got to be um, another element to make kind of um, making changes in lifestyle and things like that much easier and recovery much easier. Yes. And the other thing that you quite rightly point out is the research that's being done on community, but there's also research on a can do attitude. So if you go and see someone who says, well, I'm really sorry, but you know, you're going to be like this, you've just got to learn to live with it, then you are much likely, more likely to feel awful for longer than if you go to someone who says, hey, you know, there's a really good solution to this and there's a great big light at the end of the tunnel, you're much likely to get better and more likely. And so therefore, I think that one of the things that I'm hoping to do with the community is just bring in so much light in terms of great information and self-help tools that people can use that they really don't have to feel bad about. And in fact, if you, if you understand when you're in the perimenopause that you can sail through the menopause if you've got the right tools in your tool bag, then it isn't scary anymore. And also if you open up and talk to your partner about it as opposed to hiding on the corner of the bed you know and, the, and your partner comes to know that this is a life stage and that you're going to get through it and you just need some cuddles and support while you deal with it rather than feeling that it's causing friction between you and making you feel individuated as a couple and I think that, that that's you know it's very sad when that happens and I've seen that happen so many times I'm sure you have too but it's really the difference of knowing that we can solve this together and it where there is a solution makes it very doable. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. And I also think, you know, getting partners involved, men or women, um, yeah. and, and just because there's two women in a relationship does not necessarily mean that they deal with the menopausal changes the same. Um, or even that they're in the same life stage. And I've certainly seen lesbian couples where this has become a huge issue. Huge. Um, because everything changed. On one in particular that I was thinking of where the, the masculine, one of the, the, the people was really more transgendered than a lesbian and, and identified really strongly towards the masculine. And going through the, the um, menopausal process suddenly had female emotions which was not something that um, he was used to. I mean, he was on testosterone. So it, it was one of those situations where suddenly he's got all these, as he called them, soft and squishy emotions that he didn't know how to manage and didn't know what to do with. And his partner was going through menopause at the same time with no understanding of each other's process and nowhere to go to talk about that. Yeah, no, I think it is. I, look, it's, it's tricky in just... An ordinary heterosexual relationship, obviously it's overly 
complicated when you've got a situation like that. But I think that it's the, the first thing you have to do is learn to meet your needs at a life stage. You've got to tune in. What I try and do with all my books is put medical references at the back of the book for each chapter. So everything we do is based on published medical research. I think that's important. People mm -hmm. can feel that it's, um, you know, we're not just coming up with a bright idea and saying, take this. Every, all the supplements we use are standardized. They're not our supplements, but they're supplements that have been through clinical trials around the world. And so we can put our hand on our heart and say, you know, this is what the trials showed. If there are side effects, we know what the side effects are, but very often there, there aren't any to speak of, although nothing suits everybody. Um, and it's just, it, it's, a, it's a good situation to be in. And it's just, I, I can't explain the relief that people feel when they know that this suffering in the way they've been suffering isn't a life sentence. You know, it isn't. And that in, within the space of a few months, they're going to feel not just that they've got their symptoms under control, but it just opens up a whole new aspect to life for them. That's absolutely brilliant. So if they want to find you, where can the listeners find you and find information on all of this? Well, my website is Marian, Marian, well, marianstuart.com. So that's M-A-R-Y-O-N-S-T-E-W-A-R-T.com. And in fact, I have a new website going live in the next week, which is very exciting. Um, and the group on Facebook is called Midlife Switch. So people can come along and just look up Midlife Switch and apply to join and we'll just invite them into the group and they can come and join everybody and see what's been going on historically and get the benefit of the wisdom going forwards. Um, in the new year, I'm going to be starting um, some webinars. I usually do just question and answer webinars and sometimes invite some other experts, but in the new year, it's going to be a, a bit more structured so some there'll be some courses that people can do, and um, there also will be some uh, more individual help in groups. Mm -hmm. So that uh, sounds a bit Chinese, but they get individual help within a group. And then obviously, I I still do say take on some one-to-one -one patients, but um, obviously I have to juggle my time because I've got so many different things going on. But yeah. I like to work with individuals. I like that a lot because. Um, it's just such a, it's, it feels such an amazing honor to be able to take someone from feeling so awful, you know, really in the dark through to feeling wonderful again and seeing the light and knowing that they can have, they can just embrace life and feel blessed without yeah. feeling. No, that's awful. always, always that, that positive change. And, 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 and however hard the work is to get there, it's always so wonderful to be part of that. That's always yeah. so uplifting. So what I'm doing in the new year is I've got, there's a new book called Beat Menopause the Natural Way, and I'm going to be giving away a chapter of it every week and having a discussion about that aspect of perimenopause or menopause or even postmenopause. Um, it will include libido and everything else you can think of relating to menopause. And I'm also going to be inviting other experts to talk about the different aspects as well as we go through. So... It is, if anybody's in this, at this life stage, then it's probably a good place to go. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I really appreciate you joining me today. Um, and we will be posting up on the website all the links so that people can find them. 
um, when this is up. So um, if you didn't get to write it down, don't worry about it. It'll be there um, when this is released. I thank all of you for joining me this week for the A to Z of Sex. Please write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth at A to Z of Sex.com. That's A T O Z O F S E X.com or Z O for Americans. And visit both websites, www.a to z of sex.com and www.the-intimacy-coach.com to learn about alternative sexual choices, types of sexual relationships, and to learn to sizzle and create that ideal lasting intimate relationship. For a free 30-minute session with me, do head over to the a to z of sex.com and click on the button that says book now. Please join me next week when the letter will be M for Mrs. Robinson. And we'll be talking about cougar cub relationships. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week. <laughs>